Life Audio. Hey, it's time for Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and I will be right with you in just a moment after this. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Well, hello, everybody. I am Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. You know where you are. This is the place where real girls have real talk about real issues while seeking to walk in real faith and figure out how to live out our real faith. This week and for the next three weeks for August, as a special blessing, what we're going to do here in studio is look at some clips of a very special series that launched me in ministry called The London Sessions with Cynthia Garrett. It's a show that has aired on TBN. It has not aired anywhere else or on any other platform. And if you like the excerpt that you're going to get sort of here, then you can go and watch the full one-hour episodes of these shows at CynthiaGarrett.org. If you just go to CynthiaGarrett.org, you can find out how to get there or just see the link in the description here. So for now, I hope this blesses you um, because I've been having real talk with real women for a long time. It's the thing that actually launched me in ministry. It's the cause of women that has actually made me care about what God's opinion is about our lives and about how we live our lives and about how we're thinking and about how bold we are or are not. I know for a fact that I was called to boldness. I know for a fact that I was called to wake up your boldness. So I hope you enjoy these conversations um, that are a part of the very first series in, in, in ministry, really, that I ever did. I call it ministry, but the funny thing is it's really, uh, these were just the first conversations that I had publicly with the camera running that mirror the conversations that I have every day in my real life with men and women anywhere that I go. Because everywhere I go, I'm just me. And I'm always looking for God's point of view in the madness. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. My name is Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to the London Sessions. You know, undoubtedly, the biggest gift that we're given as Christians is a love that is so strong that it forgave each of us. We all know theoretically that the greatest unifier of our faith 
is based on some fundamental things that we have in common. Jesus came to earth as the Son of God, and he took all of our sins to the cross, and he died for our sins as the last sacrifice so that we could all be cleansed and found righteous, so that we could be forgiven. Because under the law before Christ, well, we deserve death for our sins. So God's whole gig in Jesus Christ, his gift to us, is that he forgives us so that we can live and not die. This is how someone put it to me one day. On your best day, Cynthia, you're a mess. And I'm a mess. And they're a mess. And they're a mess. And because of the only one found worthy, we're all forgiven for being such a great big ball of mess. Thank you, Jesus. Yet it's crazy, but we don't really want to forgive anybody else at all, especially if we've determined that they deserve it. We kind of prefer at least in our actions, to judge and condemn and stew in envy and jealousy in our hearts. And I've met people like this right here in church. Come on, let's get real. Better be real. If you find yourself in a constant negative dialogue on a loop in your mind about people and events, right? Playing out scenarios of revenge <laughs> or anger. I should have said this or I should have said that. Well, then the ugliness of unforgiveness is probably rooted somewhere deep inside your heart. And I promise you, it is blocking your ability to love. Love, that's what this is about. And if you can't do what Jesus did, then Jesus is being canceled in your heart and in your life. So my desire in sharing this journey of forgiveness is simple. If you can do it, so can I. If I can do it, so can you. If those families in Charleston whose loved ones were murdered while worshiping in church can do it, we all can. And if the question, well, why you should, why should I, is sort of ringing around in your brain, then you should just join us on today's session to understand the release of peace and freedom that are yours in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We forgive because we are forgiven much. Joining me today is the man who literally wrote the book on forgiveness. He writes from a place of passion and experience, understanding that the hardest thing to do is to forgive and let go in love when hurt and pain still remind you of the many wrongs that we're often on the receiving end of. He is a writer, a speaker, a teacher, and a man of God who's pastored for 25 years or more. He's the author of more than 50 books, including Total Forgiveness. Please join me in welcoming R.T. Kendall to the London Sessions. Let's chat. Why doesn't forgiveness make any sense to our worldly minds? It's because the most natural feeling in the world is to want to get even. When we've been hurt, we want that person to be punished. And you don't have to have an Oxford degree to learn how to want to do that. This is the most natural feeling in the world. So when you totally forgive, you're going right against nature. And it's the hardest thing we ever have to do. It's the hardest thing that I get called on to do as it pertains to my son. I notice something about being a parent. I have an easier time forgiving people for things that they've done to me than I do for things that they've done to my child. I know exactly what you mean. We get incredibly protective. Yeah. 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 Well, what is forgiveness and what, what is forgiveness not? Because I think part of this whole issue is that we don't really understand what forgiveness is and what Let's it isn't. Let's start with what it isn't. It is not necessarily reconciliation. This is where a lot of people make a mistake. 
they think there must be reconciliation in order for there to be forgiveness. You see, sometimes reconciliation shouldn't even take place. For example, uh, you forgive your husband uh, if he sleeps with your best friend, uh, but you don't go on holiday with his best friend or your best friend anymore. Uh, take someone who is a child molester. Uh, you forgive them, but uh, you don't let them teach a children's Sunday school class. Uh, so total forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation, nor does it mean we approve of what they did. You know, Jesus said to the woman in adultery, I don't condemn you, go and sin no more. But he didn't condone. He simply did not condemn. Total forgiveness then, and this is the hard part, letting them off the hook and coming to the place, and this is the challenge, when you pray for them. And when you pray for them, you don't just say, God, I commit them to you, when you're really hoping he'll kill them. You actually want him to bless them. And many say, well, I could never do that. And I understand that. But when you reach the place that you can ask God to bless them, you've crossed over into the supernatural, and there's no natural explanation for this. When you actually pray for them to be blessed, the very ones that wanted to destroy you, hurt you, you're now asking God to bless them. But you see, this was Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they've done. And you know what gets our goat? is that the person doesn't know how hurt we are, so we want to tell them. And we go up to them and say, I forgive you for what you've done. Problem means there's no forgiveness at all. You're really wanting them to know how hurt you are. The proof you've totally forgiven, you don't go to them and give them a guilt trip. In your heart, you bless them and pray for them. And when you come to that place, you've crossed over, and that is when you can be trusted with the blessing of the Holy Spirit in a way you've never been blessed before. That convicts me greatly on my prayers uh, of forgiveness years ago. I used to say, God, okay, Lord, you know, <laughs> inflict upon them the wrong that they inflicted oh. upon me. We've gotten a little bit more mature since then. <laughs> but I mean, it is this, why does it matter to God? I mean, I, 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 I like to laugh at myself, but it does matter to God that we forgive. Well, you know, how often do we go right through the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, gloss right over all that Jesus taught about it and say, well, we need to get the book of Acts, Romans, get our doctrine right. No, you don't realize it's a no-nonsense word when Jesus said, bless your enemy, pray for them. And he went on to say in interpreting the law that hate is equivalent to murder in God's sight in the same way that lusting is equivalent to adultery. So holding a grudge, refusing to forgive comes to the very way Jesus wants us to understand the law. And it's not simply that you don't physically kill a person, but in your heart, you forgive them. When you've done that, this is where you come into the kingdom of heaven, which is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. You said earlier, it's harder to forgive those who've hurt your children. You, you remember saying that a while oh, ago? Oh, yes, I do. Well, I'll tell you something that happened to me. 
I came into Westminster Chapel uh, one Sunday morning. I'm leading the worship. We're singing the great hymn, Praise my soul, the King of heaven. Great hymn. And I was just singing away. And out in the audience was someone who has done irreparable, emotional damage to one of our children. Mm. I hadn't seen her for a long time. What is she doing here? And I got so upset. I could barely sing. I had to mouth the words. Mm. Then had to read the scripture, another hymn. Don't know how I got through it. Didn't think of anything except her. And worst of all, I had to do the pastoral prayer. Mm. And I don't know how I did it. I kept thinking, how could she be here? It was awful. Mm -hmm. What saved me was the time they did the offering, and I would sit next to the pulpit, and somebody would come up and make the announcements, raise the offering. I had about five minutes to collect my thoughts. Something happened to me that morning. hadn't happened before or since, so this doesn't happen to me every day. But it was like an audible voice, maybe not. I don't think anybody else heard it, but... It went like this. So, R.T., you want to see revival in Westminster Chapel? Oh, boy. I said, yep. How much do you want to see revival? Oh, a lot. Oh, boy. Which would you rather have, revival or for me to send judgment on that woman out there? <laughs> well, judgment would be nice, but... <laughs> right. Revival. Revival. Oh, good. Do you mean that? Yeah. Pray for her. Mm. I pray for her. He said, that's not good enough. <laughs> Ask me to bless her. Bless her. Say it again. Bless her. Say it again. Bless her. And... He said, do you mean that? Yup. And what if I take your word seriously and answer your prayer and I bless her and I don't judge her? Lord, you wouldn't do that, would you? <laughs> and I knew then. I, I said, Lord, bless her. Bless her. And it was killing me because yeah. I knew as sure as the world, God was going to bless her. And, and, and I hate to have to say this, he did. Right. She's never been caught, and she's thriving today, that woman. Right. She doesn't know it. It's my prayer that put her where she is. Amen. And by the way, since then, <laughs> I now have an enemy's prayer list. Oh, boy. I do. It's a lot for me to I handle got, in one show. There, there are five on my list. Wow. From the moment... I started forgiving that woman. This is subsequent to the ordeal we talked about earlier. This came up later. Mm. From that moment, the insight that I began to get into God's word oh, wow. from that day, publishers queue up asking for a book. I can't write books fast enough. At that time, I think I'd written three or four books. Now I've written over 60. Wow. It's not my brain. It's not my education. 
it's the anointing, and he'll do it for anybody. Mm. It doesn't mean you'll be an author, but you've got an anointing that is yours. There's a gift you have nobody else has, and you have no idea how God will use that. Who would have thought Joseph, his gift was interpreting dreams? Who would have thought that gift would make him prime minister of Egypt? That's exactly what it did. And we've all got a gift, but that gift will not be tapped or unfolded until we come to the place that we set them free and that's why I say it becomes a selfish thing. Do you think the reason why it's so difficult for us to forgive, do you think one of those reasons is because the enemy knows that if he does what he's... Because the enemy really wants to yeah. separate our fellowship with, yeah. with the Father, right? He wants to steal the anointing. The enemy would have loved for you to look at Joseph Soames and go, well, you don't get it. These yeah. people are really wrong. Yeah. In which case... Look at all these, all these books, 57 books of which we're all blessed to sit and actually understand that we really do have to bless those who persecute us and yeah. pray for those who despite Oh, the devil us. doesn't want you to do it. No. Because you become a danger to him. Right. You become a danger to the devil because now you're going to have an anointing. You can defeat his ways. Right. I'd rather be a threat to the devil than to be famous. What does that prove? But I want to be a danger to Satan. And for him to be terrified that I'm set loose. And total forgiveness is what has done it for me. And I hate to say this, but he won't bend the rules for any of us. No, No, he sure does it. We've all got to do it. He sure does it. We've all got to do it. I'm being selfish with your time. And I know that we have an audience with some women who would have some amazing questions and things that they'd like to discuss. Okay. Is that okay if we take some audience questions? Sure. All right, I know there's a... Where's Aurelia? Hi. Um, Sometimes it feels easier to forgive others than forgive ourselves and um, move past living with regret. What's your suggestion, your advice on it? Forgiving yourself. That's a very good question. I did write a sequel to Total Forgiveness Mm. uh, called Totally Forgiving Ourselves. I don't want to be unfair and just say, go read my book. I'm not going to do that. But let me say this. You're right. I found it harder to forgive myself than to forgive others. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my book, I've got 10 reasons why you should. And the reason number one, and when I saw this, I was free. I, I was there. It's what God wants you to do. You see, I felt guilty about doing it. I'll come clean. Let me tell you what I had to forgive myself for. You may not think this is a big deal, but it was huge. My greatest guilt in the world is my failure as a father. Uh, I, I've, I've, seen, I've seen you preach on this. This is well moving. <laughs> I remember I came to the end of 25 years in London, and I was asked by Billy Graham to be interviewed, and uh, they asked, it took a whole hour on what's it like for an American in London? How do you prepare your sermons? What is your view of the Holy Spirit? And then they said, well, 59 minutes, got one minute to go. Uh, uh, tell us about your role as a father. I said, stop. Don't, don't, don't film. On this, I've been a failure. 
for 25 years, I put my sermon preparation first, thinking I was putting God first. Mm -hmm. I put the church first, thinking I was putting God first. I now believe I, if I'd put my family first, I would have preached just as well, but I can't get those years back. Yeah. yeah. I get that, yeah. But, and then I got a, I got a letter. It was an email. I, I've never met the man. He's from California. I know that. He wrote me and says, thank you for your book, Total Forgiveness, but would you please help me to forgive myself? Because my book, Total Forgiveness, you know, is one page on it, forgiving yourself. And I knew I hadn't dealt with it. And I said, I can't write that book. I'm not ready to. I've got a skeleton in my cupboard. I can't forget. But God used that man in the same way that God used Joseph Zone to help me to forgive others. He used this man I've never met. I came to terms that I had to forgive myself. And do you know what? I did it. Uh, yeah. And I felt so good and so horrible. How dare I, in one stroke, just forgive myself for all those years. It's not fair to my children. But I had to do it. And I've told my children my failure. They've forgiven me. My son works for me full time. I'm his father. He's my son. And now he works with me full time. And God has restored the years which the locusts have eaten. Mm. And I got a letter yesterday from our daughter, Melissa. Daddy, I love you. You know, ah. he's restored the years which the locusts have eaten. But I've had to forgive myself for being a lousy dad. Praise and, God. Uh, yeah, that's it. What a beautiful, what a beautiful, powerful ministry that is to so many people in a world that is obsessed with careers yeah. and distractions yeah. uh, and, and identity found in work yeah. instead. I mean, kingdom work or secular work. It's hard to forgive ourselves when we feel that we've failed our children or yeah. not been what we'd like to have been. You see, children spell love. T-I-M-E. Uh, and, uh, yep. If I could turn the clock back, I'd be a better dad. But, you know, Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good Amen. to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Amen. It's true with all those. A lot of people struggle, and I know no one likes to admit it. I sure didn't. But when I started really craving going deeper with the Lord and deeper in my relationship, I wanted to know him more, there were and dealing with some brokenness, which is a show that we'll do uh, later. But I remember there were some parts of me that had to forgive God. I felt like God didn't show up for me. Right. That's a real tough one, yeah. I think, for Christians. Well, that's my third. You see, there's a trilogy, total forgiveness, total forgiving ourselves, and total forgiving God. Every Christian that God earmarks for special work, sooner or later, must break the betrayal barrier. What that means is you feel that God has betrayed you, let you down. Hebrews chapter 11, for example, that's the great faith chapter. Do you know what every one of them had in common? They didn't get to see the promise. Well, you've read all my books. I don't know why you've got me here. You can just, but look here. <laughs> Hebrews 11, think about this. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. I think, well, 
Well, why? Why ever did they not give up? Were they crazy? God is looking for those who will say, it's all right, Lord. I don't know why you have done this, but I'm going to serve you anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what God wants. When you feel that God has let you down mm. and, it, and you say, it's okay. Not everybody breaks through the betrayal barrier, Cynthia. I have to say, some say, well, thanks a lot, Lord. I'm serving you and you do this. Uh, I'm out of here. But for those who will not give up and press on and break through the barrier, you find that God is so real on the other side, waiting to welcome you. You just blessed me so much uh, for my, my son, my, my, because we've had this season that we're coming out of where there's a, a promise, you know, that. And, you know, everyone has a word about a promise. So you start standing on these words and you stand, and, you know, instead of standing probably just, hey, relationship is fine. Anyway, he sort of felt disappointed. And he's coming out of that. He's a few months past what I called. I tell him all the time, just trust him, though, honey. I said, yes, you're right. Yes, yeah. you believed this and you believed he said this to you. And they said this and you believe that was from the Lord. You're right. I, but Christian... His name is Christian Abraham. The greatest thing that I know about my relationship with the Lord is that, you know, he allows me to be spoiled and to express my little temper tantrums. But I, I mean, I always come back to a place of trust. I, I don't want to live if I don't have him. I mean, I don't want to do this thing called life without my relationship with the Lord. So, and I always know in hindsight, there comes a moment where you go, that's why you didn't answer that prayer then. Oh, yeah. thank goodness. And, 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 but you know, when they're 22, when you're young, you, you don't have enough of a resume with God yet. I am grateful to hear you say what you said because it lets me know something that I have known about the calling on my son's life. And it lets me know something that I, I hope for myself, that breaking the betrayal barrier and being able to just trust him when I don't understand and, and, and watching my child trust him and find the goodness and the beauty yeah. of God, even though he doesn't understand and still contend and still yeah. press in, means that there's something more yeah. about his life that is supposed to really happen and God's really got it. There's all these scripture on forgiveness and there's so many, there's so many of them that I think as Christians we know, but I'm really curious to know what, what are your favorite what are your favorites on forgiveness? Just if there's any one or two that you just kind of write on your heart always as they're your banner. Ephesians 4 verse 30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And grieving the Holy Spirit is the easiest thing in the world to do. Now, when we grieve the Spirit, we don't lose our salvation because Paul says... Grieve not the Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. As soon as Paul said, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, he says, Let all bitterness, anger, wrath, clamor be put away from you. And then he says, Speaking evil of everyone, stop that. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And the goal, Cynthia, is to enjoy the ungrieved spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is in you, 
but he's sometimes grieved in you. What's it like when he's grieved? Well, you lose the sense of his presence, the anointing, the insight, and you read the Bible, you get nothing out of it, you pray, your mind wanders. But when the dove comes down, the dove, the Holy Spirit, and rests on you, you've got clear thinking. You see things you hadn't seen before. There's the peace, the joy. And all this is connected to total forgiveness. I think the most life-changing insights I've ever had is this aspect of how easy it is to grieve the Holy Spirit and learning how not to do that. You've just been a part of another London session. I'm Cynthia Garrett. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.